some comments and just some quick statements. Before I get there, I do want to say it is uh, it's a great honor and with much excitement that a new family, they're not really new, I shouldn't say new, but there is a family that will be coming and attending GBFPC, and that is Brother Joel Reyes, Sister Cherish Hayden, and Kinsey Reyes. Put your hands together and welcome them. Amen. Praise God. We're excited about them and their family, great, great family. Sister Cherish, uh, father has been in ministry, pastored churches, started churches, and what have you. So she's got a great heritage and background in the apostolic faith. And of course, all of us know who Brother Joe L. is. And uh, he was in the youth ministry, and his contemporaries were uh, Brother Casey, Brother Reese. Brother Cabrera, um, Brother Brock. I mean, you talk about nowadays in politics, what do they call them, the squad? Is that what they call the squad? This was the apostolic squad. I mean, they were quite the, quite, <laughs> quite the, they were quite the crowd. And uh, I was looking up here tonight seeing 42 young people in the youth choir thinking to myself, God is raising up another squad, another squad of young people. Amen. 42. Praise God. I love these young people. Thank you for being sensitive to the Holy Ghost tonight and ministering. We need to clap our hands and thank them for being in the Holy Ghost and letting the Holy Ghost uh, speak through them. We encourage you to continue what you are doing. Praise God. Amen. Amen. I was able to talk to some of you in prayer and um, just making some of your acquaintance. And so I want to briefly just say something that makes us Pentecostal in experience and apostolic in doctrine. I just want to make some statements. I don't want um, what is becoming known as um, Christianity without any power. I don't want a social club. I don't want a redemption, salvation place that brings anointing and authority into our world and into our lives. Seems like of late, there's a lot of people in the Christian world, um, and when I say that, I'm, I'm talking about the Christian world at large, who have talked about renouncing their faith, walking away from their faith, and there is a major, major shift. There's a lot of churches that are closing their doors. Um, there's a lot of people that have become disenfranchised with... Uh, religion. I don't want religion. I'm not interested in religion. I want an experience. I want an experience. I want a new birth experience. And so there have been many that have kind of walked away and rejected. found it very, very interesting this week reading some articles by individuals 
even in that general population of people who call themselves Christian, who have said very specifically that we need to get away from feelings and influencers, and we need to get back to the things that ground and anchor people, and that's the Word of God. This church is going on 75 years, and it's not going on 75 years uh, because we had great ministries and programs, and, and we try to do our best with those, but that's not where it's at. Where it's at is some doctrine and some teaching and some anointing and some worship and some prayer. These are the things that have always made a church what a church is supposed to be, but for some reason... An emergent group emerged and said we need to try to incorporate an entertainment model and a system where people come and spectate instead of participate. I don't want to just spectate. I want to get into the flow of the Holy Ghost and be a participator. Praise God. I want to worship with the saints of God. I want to see people filled with the Holy Ghost. I want to see old-fashioned repentance where you can walk away from an old lifestyle and you can say, all things have passed away and behold, all things have become new. This is what I'm hungry for. Praise God. I don't want something that's dry, that's boring, that is old, that it's fading, that's based on feeling, that's somebody that's an influencer. I want the Holy Ghost to influence Everything that I do and everything that we are, praise God. We need a revival. If there are people in that world saying something has got to change, there is a shifting. There's a correcting. There's even some correcting in the apostolic movement. Just recently, there was 36,000 people that came to St. Louis for a North American Youth Congress. It's much, much different than what it was starting to go down a a path and a direction and now there's there's a clarion call we need to get away from close attachments with Hollywood and something's got to drive us to our knees where we get a real old-fashioned burden and a care for the lost Somebody needs to open up the Bible and say it's, it's time to start doing Bible studies. And somebody that's not into Bible studies needs to say it's time to start praying. Somebody that's not, well, everybody needs to pray. Somebody, that's, somebody needs to get into worshiping. Somebody needs to get into praising God. Somebody needs to get into fasting. These are the things that produce a revival. And this is what we need. So... The scripture says in Acts chapter 2 and verse number 38, there was a question. There was a crowd that had gathered together. There was a move of the Holy Ghost, much like we had in this place tonight. As a matter of fact, just to reiterate what happened in this place tonight, if you're not real sure and this is all new to you, in Acts chapter 2 and verse number 1, the Bible says, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. There was a unity. It was a focus. Suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. 
I believe that a, an experience that can be had in the Lord is an experience just like this. I don't want any theologian coming and telling me that was for another day. That's not for today. You came too late to tell all of us because we've experienced the Holy Ghost in this place and in this house tonight. The Holy Ghost is still falling. Holy Ghost is still working. Holy Ghost is still being poured out. And the Holy Ghost can still be received. It was at a time in Jerusalem in which it was Passover. People were coming from every quarter. Now when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because that every man heard them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Are not all these which speak are Galileans? Peter, some gathered together and some started mocking some started saying, these people are full of new wine. You're always going to have folks that sit back and kind of look and think we're crazy and we've lost our minds. Don't you ever let those folks influence your worship with God. What if Peter would have folded up and would have said, well, there's some scoffers and mockers here. We're just going to have to walk away from one of the greatest messages that could ever be preached to a world that Jesus Christ gave his life for. You better believe Peter was not going to give in to anybody that was just going to sit and mock and scoff because Peter was coming from an upper room experience in which the Holy Ghost had been poured out and the influence on the inside of Peter was greater than the influence on the outside of Peter. There's always going to be scoffers, and there's always going to be mockers, but there's going to be some people hungry for God. Praise God. And so Peter got up, and, and he said, These men are not drunk as you suppose. It's the third hour of the day. It's 10 o'clock in the morning. They're not drunk. And he began to extrapolate and define what had happened in that upper room. And he went back into the Old Testament and he pulled scriptures from Joel. And he said, in the old times, the prophet said, it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. All flesh. I want a church that has you know, when you start, is there really such a thing as a white person? I'm, I'm really having a struggle with that. That's white. Is there anybody in here that looks like that? The closest that you can get to that is probably Sister Shalom. See? So, <laughs> Sister Shalom has this beautiful translucent skin that is amazing. So when you start naming some of these colors, God created us with all kinds of melanin in our skin. 
And so I guess for the sake of definition, we have to say it, but I believe God came for everybody, no matter what shade of skin you are, God came for you. We need a revival of white folks, African-Americans, Indians, Guatemalans, Hispanics. We need a revival to all people. His spirit is to be poured out upon all flesh. Peter said he came to pour out his spirit upon all flesh. He said, not only all flesh, but your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. I guarantee you, we, we kind of shy away from that just a little bit because we think somehow that daughters and young men, they haven't even got a clue who they are, where they're going, what they're doing. They're trying to figure all that out. So therefore, we discount them as being able to prophesy. I believe God poured out the Holy Ghost so that there would be young people that would stand up and prophesy and would say, God's a God that can save, God's a God that can redeem, no matter where they are, whether they're at the mall, whether they're at school, they're young people, but if they're filled with the Holy Ghost, they are Holy Ghost-filled, powerful young people, and, and the message that was coming forth here is those people are going to be used of God. What else did he say? He said, your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. Don't ever think you get to the age that you're not used of God. Everybody and everything is here. It's all categorized here. And on my servants and on my hands, it, incorpor it incorporated everybody. And he preached this whole message. He says, on the day of Pentecost, you have to think of the context. Sometimes people say, you people take verses out of context. You just pluck stuff out of the, out of the air. And I would return that and say, yes, and, the, and, and everybody does that. You've got to put it into context. In this context right here, they're in an upper room because Jesus told them to go to Jerusalem and tarry. Now, that's some pretty good context, right? Jesus said... It's going to begin at Jerusalem, repentance and remission of sins. It's going to happen in Jerusalem. Jesus said in Mark 15, he said, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. It's going to happen in Jerusalem. Jesus said in Matthew 28 and verse number 19, go ye into all the, the world and preach the gospel, baptizing in the name, which is singular, the name of Jesus, because the name of the Father is Jesus, because Jesus said, I have come in my Father's name. So the name of the Father is Jesus because Jesus said he came in his Father's name. Baptizing in the name of the Father and of the Son, and Jesus is the Son because he is the Son of God. John the Baptist looked at him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. He is the Son of God, and so the Son of God is Jesus. And baptized in the name of the Holy Ghost. The name of the Holy Ghost is Jesus because Jesus said, I'm going to send you a comforter, the spirit of truth. The comforter, the spirit of the truth, which is the Holy Ghost, is the spirit that Jesus sends. And he tells them, I can't send it until I am gone. Once I'm gone, I'm going to put my spirit in you. It's going to be the earnest of your inheritance. It's just a small portion, but oh, isn't it a good portion? I'm going to put a portion in you, and that spirit is Jesus.
Somebody recently said, I'm not quite sure when Stephen is looking up and he sees Jesus standing on the right hand of God. Doesn't that mean there's two? Well, why didn't he say, I looked up and I saw Jesus standing on the right hand of the Father, and what about the Holy Ghost? Why is he only seeing two? Why doesn't he see all three? Because the right hand of God has to do with a symbolic usage of power. His arm is not short that it cannot reach, thank the Lord. And there is power in his right hand. It's a symbol of authority and power. When the right hand of God sets down on something, something's going to take place and happen. And so what Stephen sees is Jesus in a right hand of power and authority. Because no man has seen God at any time because God is a spirit. So he's looking up there. He's not seeing God in terms of a person because you can't see a person unless it is the embodied personage of the Spirit, which is in Jesus. Jesus said, I want you to go to Jerusalem because all this is going to take place. All this is going to happen. And so the context is all of these people are doing what Jesus told them to do. They're in Jerusalem. They're in an upper room. Mary is in the upper room because Mary needs the Holy Ghost just like every. Why, why, why worship Mary and venerate Mary as the mother of Jesus as somehow being some kind of liaison or connection to Jesus? Mary needed the Holy Ghost just like everybody else needed the Holy Ghost and received the Holy Ghost just like everybody else in the upper room received the Holy Ghost. So this all spilled out into the street, and, and people are wondering what in the world is going on. And P Peter preaches, and he gets to a point in his message in which when they heard this, verse 37, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? If you're going to a church that doesn't demand anything from you, you need to find another church. I just want to come sit on the church pew. I hope not in this church. God has, Paul said, I'm writing to the Romans who are called to be what? Spectators. He said, I'm writing to the church at Rome who are called to be saints. God has called you with a high calling. God has placed you not just to sit around, but to say, I'm going to be used in the kingdom of God. God called me out of darkness into his marvelous light so that I can make an impact and an influence in my world. I want the Holy Ghost in my life, in my world, so that I can do great things for God. If you're not doing anything, it's time to start doing something for the kingdom of God. Praise God. They were pricked in their heart. Holy Ghost moves like it did tonight in this service here. That's a Holy Ghost outpouring. And so there are, some of you were praying and you were feeling stuff you've never felt before in your entire life. What is that? That's the anointing of God that is pricking or touching, that's drawing out a response. And these people said, men and brethren, what do we do? 
We need more messages that bring people to decisions rather than just giving a lecture or a speech. Finding a stool to sit down and just talk about something that's motivational and influential. No, something's got to reach into the soul of humanity that could be lost for an eternity and turn things around in their world. And so this is their response. And Peter, he responded to them. Now, you have to remember, again, we, we need to put this into context, right? Why is Peter speaking? What gives him the right or the authority to speak on behalf of the question in which a crowd recognizes their need for salvation? Well, it was because Jesus took the disciples to Caesarea Philippi into a very red light district. And he brought them out there. And he said, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? Some of them started saying, well, you, some say you're like Isaiah, prophets, Elijah. But Jesus said, no, I, I want to know more specifically, who do you say I, the son of man? And Peter said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. I believe Peter recognized you are the Messiah. And there's an importance. And so Jesus looked at him and said, Thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. This is why Peter had the authority, because Peter was chosen as the spokesperson to preach on the day of Pentecost. And Peter preached this message to them. He said, Repent. If you're going to a church that doesn't talk about repentance, you need to dig in the scripture a little deeper because repentance runs from the beginning all the way through. But somehow because, ooh, that's just, that's asking too much. We want to extract that and we want to put something else in that's not, that's a little more palatable. We need to still preach repentance. I need repentance. Paul said, I die Daily. You know what Paul was saying? I get up every single morning. I find a place to pray, and I say to my own carnal nature and my flesh, you are not going to control me. I'm going to mortify the deeds of the body. You are not going to live that way, talk that way. You're going to walk in the ways of the Lord. You're not walking in the flesh, but you're walking in the spirit. And so Paul said, I die daily. Repentance is something that every single one of us should incorporate in our lives on a daily basis. Tried to do things on my own. I can't do it on my own. It's been a failure. God, I'm acknowledging that, and I'm acknowledging my need of you. Repentance. Repentance. Praise God. Anybody thankful? Did you know repentance is not a, a net negative? It's a net gain. Stop and think about that. Why would you want to carry away or carry the burdens and the pressure and the stress of everything that loads you down when you can repent of that and walk away free of that. Who'd want to keep carrying that weight? Repentance gives you the opportunity to lay things on an altar. There's some things I don't understand. There's some things I may never understand. But it's an opportunity when I lay it at an altar, I can walk away and I can be changed and I can feel much different. Peter said you need to repent. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. 
Repentance is an acknowledgement that I've tried it on my own. I can't do it, and God, I need you. That's what repentance is. But that doesn't remit sin. That only acknowledges that God is able to do what, what you've asked him to do. If you're going to a church that's not baptizing people in Jesus' name, you need to get in the Scripture because the only baptismal formula in the Scripture is baptism in Jesus' name. It's the only formula. It was used in Acts chapter 2. It's used in Acts chapter 8. It's used in chapter 10. It's used in Acts chapter 19, 2, 8, 10, 19. Four major conversion points. They were all baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. This is why it's extremely important because it's in baptism that the blood is applied to your life. How do I make a connection between Calvary and what Jesus has done and the blood that he shed for me? How do I make a connection and how do I apply that to my life? In baptism in Jesus' name. This is all contextual, right? You remember in the Old Testament, way, way back in the beginning, when God calls his people out of Egypt, out of bondage, out of slavery. That's a typology of people who are in sin. He takes them through the ten plagues, and the last plague is the death of the firstborn. And what does he tell the children of Israel to do? I want you to find a lamb that is without blemish or without spot, representative of Jesus Christ himself, who was without blemish and without spot. You're not saved from salvation with gold and silver, but with the precious blood of Christ. So he told them, I want you to take that blood, and I want you to put it on the doorpost, because when the death angel comes by and there's a death of the firstborn, the death angel will pass by you. When you're baptized in Jesus' name, this is where the blood is applied to the doorposts of your life. And judgment passes by you because you've had a name that's above every name applied to your life. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Why would you not want to be baptized in Jesus' name? It's the greatest name. It's a name above all names. Praise God. He said, repent, be baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of your sins, and you shall receive, what did he say? You shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost for the promises unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. God can call you from afar off. He can reach you and fill you with the Holy Ghost. If you're seeking the Holy Ghost, God's, it's a promise. It's a gift that is given to you. To do what? To empower me. Can't do it on my own. I acknowledge that. That's repentance. Baptized in Jesus' name, that's a remission of those sins that goes all the way back to Adam. The infilling of the Holy Ghost now gives me the ability to be more than a conqueror. It's the empowerment in my life that allows me to rise above some things, to walk the way that I should walk, to draw closer in Christ, to be formed in him. How do I do that? I need his spirit and I need his anointing in my life. Praise God. And so what you felt tonight was the Holy Ghost moving on you and drawing you 
Don't walk away from that. Don't some, Sometimes people shrink away from that. I've never felt anything like that in my life. I don't know what in the world is going on. And so they clam up, stop, seal up. Let the Holy Ghost flow. The scripture said it will be like a well of water springing up into everlasting life. And hey, ladies and gentlemen, the well will never run dry. When I came to the house of God tonight, I needed a good drink of water. The well still flows. Holy Ghost was still flowing in this place. Holy Ghost was moving in these altars and so lean into that seek that seek that pursue that I need a renewing of the Holy Ghost in my life every single day praise God every single day I need God's anointing operating in my life then he said something very fascinating that is also to us he said, and with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, save yourselves from this untoward generation. Let's stand together and let's pray that prayer tonight. God, help us from being so caught up in an untoward generation that we don't pursue the kingdom of God. Help me pray together. Lord, I thank you and praise you and worship you. I thank you for a moving of your spirit in this place tonight. Praise God. Come on, somebody lift up your voice tonight. I thank you for your power, your ability. I thank you for what you have started in some people's life in this place. I pray that you would continue to do our work. I pray that you would continue to draw as was preached this morning. And as we draw closer to you, I pray that you would pour out your spirit and your anointing in a mighty, mighty, powerful way. Help us to look for opportunities to testify of your greatness and your goodness. Jesus' name we pray. We give to you thanks. Amen, amen. In conclusion tonight, let's clap our hands and thank the Lord for what he has done. We thank you and we praise you and we worship you. Hallelujah.